It's worth knowing what's really going on. This is the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. This, my friends, is Access Atlanta. It's a new podcast that shares the best things to do, see, eat, and experience. Welcome to Access Atlanta. I'm here again with Melissa Ruggieri, who covers all things music for the AJC. Uh, Welcome back, Melissa. Hi, Shane. Um, So tell us uh, what we're going to talk about this week. We are going to talk about the One Music Fest. Ah, okay. So now how long has the One Music Fest been going? It is going into its ninth year this year, and it's actually a huge year for the festival because When it started, it started in a parking lot at King Plow Arts Center. Yeah. They had about 2,000 people show up and, you know, lost money, didn't really do that well. And now, nine years later, it's going to Central Park. Yeah. It's now expanded to a two-day festival. Right. It's got a huge lineup, everyone from Nas to T.I. to 2 Chains to Jeezy, Brandy, George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, which yeah. may very well be their last appearance in Atlanta since they are retiring. And... It's really kind of amazing just the story of how it went from being nothing. And the guy who founded it, Jay Carter, Jason, Jason Carter, he goes by Jay, yep. as in the letter J. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's an awesome guy. He's, you know, he's been in Atlanta for a long time. He's from New York originally, he's from Brooklyn, but, you know, he's been here since high school. Yeah. And he's just always had this entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And, you know, he was, you know, when he sat down with him a couple of weeks ago, he was just telling us about how, you know, he really wanted something to change in Atlanta's nightlife scene. And back in like the early 2000s, he had a club night where he would just get different DJs to come in and play different kinds of music. And then he had the thing down in underground Atlanta called Soul Fusion, which, yeah. you know, a lot of li- that's where he started doing like some live music things. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing has been, everyone told me I couldn't do this. Everyone told me that an outdoor music festival with urban music was never going to work. Right. And he even started doing like his own research and going to Bonnaroo and going to Lollapalooza just to kind of check it out. And he said, you know, I, I love the fact that there were all these different musical styles that I was hearing. But then I looked around and I didn't see anybody who looked like me. Yeah. And that's when I thought, okay, this is something that really needs to be done. Um, you know, he, he refers to it as an urban cultural Woodstock yeah. <laughs> is, yeah. is what his idea had always been. And he just kind of went ahead with it, you know? I mean, after, you know, dabbling in various things over the, you know, the early 2000s, mid-2000s, around 2008, you know, decided to do this this first One Music Fest. And, you know, from there, it's just really taken off. He does point to the year two years ago when Outcast right. reunited. Yes. <laughs> Actually, oh, it was a Dungeon yes. Family reunion. It wasn't yeah. technically Outcast. Yeah. And he told us this great story about just how nerve-wracking it was that day because up until the time everybody went on stage at the end of the show, they still didn't know if Andre 3000 was going to show up. <laughs> and he, he apparently has anxiety. So yeah. he had been saying, you know, like the, the day or two prior, yeah, I think I'm going to be there. But, you know, I don't know. I'm going to see how I'm feeling kind of thing. And right. I distinctly remember at the time all the PR people saying, do not refer to this as an outcast reunion. <laughs> I think because, you know, they didn't know it was going to be an outcast right. reunion or not. Right. And just refer to it as a Dungeon Family reunion. And and it was. I mean, everybody was there. You know, CeeLo Green, Sleepy Brown, Big Boy, Andre did show up. And it, it was it was a great night but that that and the and the year prior when he had booked Kendrick Lamar before Kendrick was Kendrick yes, yes. but was still commanding a pretty hefty paycheck yeah that those two years 
he feels were really pivotal to yeah. One Music Fest, and that that's what made people start to pay attention. Like, oh yeah, these guys are serious. You know, right. this isn't just you know you you know as well as I do. I mean, you see all kinds of festivals that come and go through Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Some don't even actually occur. <laughs> yes, yes, some don't occur. Some happen one year and they're gone. Yeah, we it's... get lots of emails about things that sometimes don't happen, or you go, yeah, is this legit or not? You know, so <laughs> so you know, Jason has definitely gotten to the point where you know it's it's legit and yeah. it's it's going to be a cool thing. They're working this year with uh, Rival Entertainment is promoting. Mm-hmm. They, they were at Lakewood for a couple of years, which is Live Nation. Yeah. But, you know, he said as much as he liked Lakewood, and obviously that's when it started expanding, you're kind of hemmed in as far as the growth. So, you know, they, they realized that there really wasn't a place that you could grow. And also the ticket prices were going to have to start getting higher and higher because he wanted to bring in higher caliber acts and mm-hmm. more acts and, you know, just do the math. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. Know? So you're, you're shelling out so many millions of dollars. You need to make that back somehow. And he didn't want to have to charge people $300 to have a pit ticket yeah. in an amphitheater. So that's why they decided to look at other places. And he actually worked with Josh Antonucci from Rival Entertainment mm-hmm. way back in the Soul Fusion days. So they've yeah. known each other a long time. And I talked to Josh for the story as well. And, you know, he said, you know, not only is Jay just so well connected, whether it's culture, whether it's politics, whether it's music, you know, he just has a really good pulse on on the community that he was really looking forward to working with him on this particular site that yeah. they've used Central Park for Shaky Knees. Yeah. And it also used to be Music Midtown. And it used spot. to be Music Midtown. Yeah. It is a good spot because at least there's shade. Yeah. <laughs> so when it is 90 yeah. degrees out, you can you can go someplace. They are going to have three stages at, at One Music Fest. So, you know, they, they are expanding to a third stage yeah. as well as the second day of the festival. Right. And, you know, we talked about ticket prices. There's a pretty reasonable. It's uh, 125 for the mm-hmm. two-day ticket up until the weekend until the Friday before the festival then it goes to 140 yeah. for a two-day ticket you can get a single day ticket for $75 so you know you'd rather see one lineup than mm-hmm. the other you can do that too and you know I mean we, we talk about this at Music Midtown too you know there there are so many people I talk to who complain about I guess you know the old Music Midtown days where it was 30 or 40 dollars yeah. to go see all these bands and you know they're like oh my god it's 150 dollars for this but you know shoot you go see Taylor Swift or Beyonce and Jay-Z yes. you're paying 300 dollars for yep. for one for act, one act yeah. and this is you know two days of music and you're getting all this all you're getting exposure to a lot of stuff too and yeah. that's kind of what he's always wanted to bring about was like a sense of community yeah. and have you know different styles of music so even if you're not really a trap music fan well if you happen to wander by the stage where they're you know having having some of the old atlanta trap guys you know yeah. performing you might go oh you know i never really listened to that before but it's kind of cool yeah. or maybe you thought brandy was a little lightweight for you know your musical taste yes. and you know you sit yeah. through a brandy set and go oh you know yeah. she's got a great voice you know stuff yeah. like that well i mean that's what you know people people discovering you know that's the whole reason we have opening acts right. you know uh, that's the way you discover things, and at festivals, there e- there's even bigger opportunity to do that. Because there's like there's a whole stage of opening so many- <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you've got you know all day to do it, and there are times you have time to kill, and you're like, oh well, I might as well go over and hang out at this stage. Yes, you might hear something interesting that you've never heard before. Exactly, so. and then you can go you know look them up online, and yep. you know maybe get get a new fan. You know, right. it's, it's, it's great yeah. exposure. I mean, it's yeah. great exposure for the the up and coming artists. Sure. One the the main artist he did book for this year was Cardi B. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> and you know he was really bummed that that didn't work out, yeah. and so they filled they filled the slot with two chains. Yeah, and you know everybody's always happy to see two chains in Atlanta, and yeah. he always puts on a, a great show. And you know Cardi is kind of super hot. Yeah, <laughs> right she's one of now. the biggest biggest acts in the world right now. Yeah, yeah she so, is. Yeah, that's a little bit of a loss, but you yeah, know. but you know it'll still it'll still be fun. There's there's a lot of of Atlanta representation with you know Jeezy and Ti being yeah. there as well, and and he said that's important to him too to you know make sure that the hometown is is represented so yeah for sure but yeah this is great so you know so um we get a a sort of a behind the scenes look at how this whole thing started and how it's continued and where you know maybe where it's going uh in the future and i think you'll be impressed with with what jay carter has managed to do and it's 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 a great story i mean it's 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 a great story of him you know of where just what he's been able to accomplish and how even though when everybody said, yeah, no, nope, not going to work, that he said, yeah, well, you know, let me kind of prove you wrong on that. And, <laughs> and he has. So good for him. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, let's uh, get on to the uh, story uh, of One Music Fest. It's the greatest energy in the world for each of us. Black, white, yellow, green, purple, one sun, one earth. That's it. You with me? Yeah. <laughs> 
here. Yeah. We are here with Jason J. Carter, the founder of the One Music Fest. It is now heading into its eighth year. Ninth, ninth. Ninth year. Ninth. It's now heading into its ninth mm. year and major expansion this year. But but let's talk a little bit about you and your background because I think there are a lot of people in Atlanta who don't know where you came from and how you got started in, in doing all of this. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, I think my how I got here is very non-traditional, I would definitely say. I would, um, uh, I was a corporate guy mm -hmm. that, uh, that loved live music and events, right? Um, how I got to Atlanta, actually, I, I, my family relocated here from New York back when I was in high school. Um, and ever since, it was just home. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as events, um, you know, we, I, I have a, a pretty, I had a very active social life even though I was in corporate America. What were you but, doing um, in corporate America? Uh, I was actually, at first, when I first graduated, I worked for my family business. Which um, was? My father was a, a regional sales manager with Xerox, and he had a Xerox agency. So mm -hmm. right out of college, I was just working for the family mm -hmm. business. Uh, and then I began working for LexisNexis as a legal consultant. Um, but still very active on the social mm -hmm. plane. Do you have a legal background? Um, I do not. I had a sales and marketing background. So the legal they needed, consulting they, worked out anyway. They needed someone that can go in and sell to uh, to judges, law firms, and attorneys. Okay. Well, not judges, but law, law firms and attorneys. Mm -hmm. um, and they, they, you'll be perfect. Mm -hmm. um, so in any event, the um, nightlife in, in, in Atlanta, it, to me, at a certain point, and this was back in the early 2000s, uh, it felt like there was something, there was something missing. Mm -hmm for me personally mm -hmm. um, and it kind of pushed me out to, to do something the uh, and what I thought was missing was a and being from Brooklyn you know we kind of grew up listening to everything mm -hmm. you know uh, we listened to funk to disco to reggae to, to, to rock to hip-hop um, but you couldn't really find venues or or spaces in in Atlanta that would embrace all types of music, all types of people, all types of communities, backgrounds, different generations. Um, I just couldn't find it. So you were looking for live music, not necessarily clubs or that type of nightlife. I was looking for both. Yeah. You know, um, and at that time, the the best thing for me to do at that time was to try to create some type of social event. So we, I came up with this concept called called Soul Fusion, right? Mm -hmm. And this is back in 2001. Mm -hmm. And the whole concept of the event was to, to grab different types of DJs with different kind of concentrations um, and bring them together in one space and kind of partition up the party so that you can have different vibes and energies in different spaces, right? So you kind of move around and get the, the vibe that you wanted mm -hmm. in, one, in one event or one party. And where um, were you doing that? I did that at a, it was a spot called Karma. Okay. That was before Which I was, was here. Kinda, so. You remember Karma? <laughs> I wasn't here then. Oh, okay. <laughs> Karma was like this Moroccan love palace kind of <laughs> what, downtown? themed or? out. It was downtown. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you walk in, it's dungeonous kind of. Mm -hmm. You had candles in stone walls. You had beds that spread out. cool. Oh, it was super cool. <laughs> yeah. So like Hugh Hefner had parties there and um, uh, who else? All types. Of, it, it was one of those kind of spots. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was perfect for what I was looking to do. Um, and it continued to grow. I started doing it weekly and kind of kept growing and growing. And, uh, and I was juggling corporate America and this event that kind of just took on its own personality and started, started growing. Um, and I had to make a decision at one point. I had to make a decision once I walked into one of my client's office and the attorneys and the paralegals were like, I was at your event last week. It was crazy. Right. It was this? I was like, oh, OK. Yeah. And my manager sitting next to me. And I said, you know what? Yeah. My nine to five is starting to run into my mm -hmm. my moonlighting mm -hmm. career. And I was at a I was young enough to make a to to know that I could rebound if this promotions and events thing wasn't going to uh, flourish. Uh, so four years after beginning Soul Fusion, um, four four colleagues of mine, uh, we, we opened up a venue called Sugar Hill. And this was probably what, 2005? 2006? Sugar Hill, yeah, was around, actually, yeah, 2004, 2005. Okay. Um, and that was out at the Underground. Okay. Um, they were trying, Underground was kind of in this weird little 
<laughs> you know, puberty stage, like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. You know, do I go left? Do I go right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, we thought the opportunity was awesome because it was, uh, they were grandfathered in uh, with regards to how late they can stay open right. and the pouring rights that they had on Sundays. So we said, you know, this is something we should look at. And it was relatively inexpensive at that time. Um, so we opened up two clubs down in the underground back in 2005, had those open for about four and a half years. Uh, one was a live music venue and one was a really just kind of straight ahead club. Mm -hmm. But Sugar Hill was phenomenal mm -hmm. during its span of time. So you were bringing in the kinds of music that you were saying you couldn't find uh, years it was, earlier. It was yeah. phenomenal. We yeah. had everybody from Lil Wayne to Gil Scott Heron. Mm -hmm. We had everyone from Bootsy Collins on stage to, to Raphael Sadiq. And at that time also was festivals really started getting more mainstream. I mean, for certain communities, it's always been mainstream. Um, for the urban community, not so much. Um, but it opened my eyes a little bit to, you know, how live music is presented and how it's packaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I started bouncing around a little bit, going festivals to festivals, and going and to just observe. You mean, or just observe? Yeah, you know. And, and what, what did you use as sort of a blueprint, or which festivals were you checking out? So the festival that I would say impressed me the most mm -hmm. would be Bonnaroo. Mm -hmm. Like Bonnaroo feels like a true music lover, and I would say Lollapalooza as well, like a true music lover festival. Do you go camp out? You know, no, I don't camp out. <laughs> no, yeah. no I, I, I ain't camping. You know. <laughs> That's why I haven't been but, to Bonnaroo. <laughs> right. The, um, the, so, I mean, it would be from hip-hop to classic soul to classic rock to new age rock alternative to reggae. Um, and so while experiencing these these festivals, you know, you would look around and say, you know, I see a lot of urban talent on stage, but I don't see a lot of people that look like me. Mm -hmm. So does this exist mm -hmm. other than an Essence Fest, mm -hmm. which I've been year after year after year, which is phenomenal. But I mean, a true outdoor multi-stage experience with someone from, from George Clinton to Nas to 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 Jeezy, to Grant, like, mm -hmm. where is this? Mm -hmm. And so the more I looked, um, the more I realized it didn't really exist. Um, so at that point, I did start reaching out to, to festival owners and, and, and folks that, uh, that really understood that space. Um, and no one thought it could work. Really? Why? What was there? What kind and, of resistance were you getting? And I, and I understand that the, the hesitance as well. Yeah. You know, I think um, the urban community, how we experience music is, you know, we're used to paying money for a concert ticket. Oh, this is me, row, row, mm -hmm. row J, C12, <laughs> this is me. I'm watching my show, right? And then after two hours, I say, thank you very much. I go right. home and I jump into traffic and I try to figure it out afterwards, right? right. Um, but, you know, for that two hour experience, mm -hmm. you know, I might have paid one hundred and fifty bucks mm -hmm. for these festivals. It's one hundred fifty dollars and I'm watching 30, 40 right. different acts. Right. But it's also this 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 community communal mm -hmm. kind of feel and energy that you're exchanging with folks. And and I loved it, you know. Um, so when I couldn't find it is when and when and after having a conversation with, with many folks that said, I just don't think the urban community would would embrace it that much. Um, I then sat back and said, well, I'm a part of that community and I would love to have it, right? And I can't be the only person out here thinking like this. Right. Uh, same mindset I had with the Soul Fusion event. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't be the only person that feels like, mm -hmm. why can't I go to the clubs and hear rock and disco and house and hip hop and, and Southern hip hop and why can't, why can't I hear all of it mm -hmm. and, and why can't, you know, and also I think what, 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 what stirred it is when I went to these other venues, clubs, and festivals, it was all types of people right. listening to the same music, you know? And being if, exposed to music maybe that they didn't know that well before, but at least now it's right, right in front of them, so why not check it out? Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, but, but still and yet, I mean, you could play Nirvana, mm -hmm. you, know, you know, Teen Spirit in a hip-hop club, and guess what? 
they gonna know the words. And you turn around and 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 do baby got back <laughs> in a a general market, mm. you know, top forty uh, dance club, top or something. forty dance club. They know all the words, right? So all listening to the same music, right? Mm -hmm. But what happens if you figure out a way to kind of just bring folks together to have that kind of communal exchange? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, everyone said it wasn't going to work, and and I would say that was back in '08, '09. Did that, just, did that fuel you, fuel you even more to you know want to make it work when when people were saying it's not going to work? It did. Like, does that is it that the did. kind of thing that just makes you go, yeah, I'll show you. <laughs> I'll show you work, you know. And, and it was people that I didn't really think were entrenched in the urban community mm -hmm. that was saying that it wouldn't work. Um, so that made me say, I think it would though, you know. And and if I'm wrong, then you know I'll I take tried. it on the chin and I, and I'll move on. Mm -hmm. um, so we pitched the idea to. Because mind you, also I was moving into the brand marketing space. So I had a couple of brands that I was working close with and a couple of ad agencies. Mm -hmm. um, and called up one of the ad agencies I was working with that one of their clients was Mini. Mini they were called Mini Cooper at that time. Um, and they were looking to do an outdoor event mm -hmm. that was geared towards uh, the urban community, multicultural community. Um, and they said, what, what you got for me, Jason? I said, well, you know, give me, give me, give me a second. Let me talk to the team and let 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 and let me come back with something. And um, I said, this is the perfect opportunity to present One Music Fest. Why don't we have them? Why don't we create this event called One Music Fest? Have them as our lead sponsor, right? And this will give us some of the fuel and funding we need to kind of get this festival going. And did the name come from your desire to have different types of music in one place? <laughs> yeah, it really did. I mean, it was. Um, and we had some wacky names too at first, and then, um, but our, our tagline was always unity through music. Mm -hmm. And so we started with a tagline and kind of worked backwards. Like, what, what, what speaks unity? And then, and then, and then um, we were like, one, just one, just one music fest. And I was like, yes, I think, I think y'all like it? And everyone said, yeah, I think one could work. And then we came up with some wacky different logos and, um, and so we presented the, the concept and idea to, uh, to the agency, to the brand. They loved it. Awesome. So off and running. First year, 2010. Um, Wasn't it Lakewood that year? No. No. <laughs> no. Because I got here in 2010, we, so I'm we, trying to think back of... <laughs> we, we were in a, uh, in a parking lot in the middle of July. Oh. Oh, so you already know what Atlanta feels like in the middle of July on asphalt. Yeah. Right? Where? At, uh, at King Plow Art Center. Okay. Yeah. So I had this, um, I was walking the grounds of King Plow. I was like, they have this huge parking lot. You can put a stage here. I can use the inside of this building here. I can put another stage back here. Not thinking, you know, shade, <laughs> summer, Atlanta, July. Sweat. Sweat. <laughs> oh, um, so we had Common. We had De La Soul, Guapale, Joy. Uh, we had a go-go band, so it's a little mixture of. And it was just uh, a one day, one afternoon, it was like one, one day, evening, afternoon we had a thing. Couple of EDM mm -hmm. DJs, um, and we had about twenty-five hundred people show up. Not bad for a parking not, lot. Not bad for a parking mm -hmm. lot, middle of summer. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think our tickets were around like thirty, forty bucks then. Um, but still not enough to turn a profit first year. Oh, hell no. But you weren't expecting. I mean, it's going to take a few years anyway. <laughs> well, you never expect to lose. Right. Right. <laughs> right. right. No one goes into the ring thinking they're going to get knocked out and shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, yeah, we took it on the chin that year. We took it on the chin for five years. Five actually. years, yeah. Um, and I will actually tell you that that's some of the, uh, the advice that we, that we got from uh, some, some of the folks from Bonnaroo. They said, if you can survive for five years, you may see daylight. So that always played back in my head. They were like, the festival business is a monster. Mm -hmm. you know. And one other person told us, if you don't have $2 million in a bank to lose, don't do it. Mm -hmm. I did not have $2 million in a bank. You know? <laughs> to lose. <laughs> to lose. Yeah, uh, to, to lose, to gain. To, right. Right. So Period. I was like, look, um, this, this can work. I can, figure, I can figure this model out. Um, that year we lost. The second year we we lost. Third year we lost. Fourth year we lost. And when did you move to Lakewood? We moved to Lakewood 2014. Okay. 
And we experienced double growth every year. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't turning a profit. Well, with the um, growth comes more expenses as far as more the talent. More expenses, bigger so, talent, yeah. bigger yeah, bigger footprint, mm-hmm. more security, more more port. It's, Everything. It's, it's the random things you don't even think about right. that 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 cost ATM so much rentals. money. ATM rentals, <laughs> ATM fencing, right, lighting, right. stage, right. security, police officers, street closure, uh, staffing, catering. Sure. Uh, you know, I think you know people. It's just like everything. I think people see the the shiny lights and the stage and the the glam, and they think, "Oh, Jay's killing it." Make you have no idea what goes into putting on this event and the expense of doing this event. Um, so it definitely was a passion project. Mm-hmm. You know, when people say it's for the culture and for the people, oh, this was for the culture and for the people through and through. So, and in 2014, um, that's when we decided to do at Lakewood and do a co-pro with, with Live Nation. Um, we, uh, we lost money that year pretty big. <laughs> yeah. So that was the year we had Kendrick Lamar. I was going to say, what was the line? We had yeah. Nas, mm-hmm. you know, and this was before Kendrick became right. a million dollar act. Right. Right before he kind of really, mm-hmm. I mean, he was bubbling, mm-hmm. but he, did, he wasn't out of here, Kendrick Lamar. Um, so yeah, that was the most, that was the biggest ticket I ever seen for an artist, right? And, um, you know, you, you, you got to trust your partners in business, right? And they said, we got to do it. We got to do it. You know, this is the look, this is the artist feel. I said, no, he's definitely the artist, mm-hmm. but it was all those zeros that he had after <laughs> his name. I mean, what are we going to do about that? Um, we got, we got to make that play. I said, okay, you know, so they, they got me to poke out my chest a little bit. We jumped out there. We did it. We lost. Um, because you can only fit so many people at Lakewood. That's Well, Lakewood can hold, it can hold uh, 20. just under 19,000. Yeah. Right. And I think that year, I don't know, we had maybe maybe 10. Really? 10,000 out there. Yeah, even with that lineup. Um, you know, but we, we released Kendrick late mm-hmm. into our promotion. So we only released half the lineup because we were still trying to book acts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that model was a little, a little clunky, you know, that year, you know, because I think we made our, we, we, we signed off on our agreement bef- after we already started the promotions, right? right? Um, so booking some of these artists was a lot of catch up, mm-hmm. you know, so we didn't get the full range of, of, of of time that we needed to actually promote properly to get the, the ticket sales needed. Um, but still and yet, I would say that was one of the most impactful, uh, that, that was a very pivotal uh, year for us. And as far as that event, I think that also made a lot of people kind of open their eyes and say, this is real. Do you think it was pivotal because of the lineup you had that people started to pay attention? I think it was the setup. I think it was the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was the way we laid it out. Mm-hmm. And that year, we also spent more on marketing than we ever had before. Mm-hmm. And they said, and as the Bonnaroo folks said, it, it will take five years for it to catch on. And I think that was a year people kind of said, I get it. I get what I get what this is. And that was 14, right? That was 14. So there you go. Almost five years. <laughs> five years. So we finally broke through, made a little bit of profit uh, the following year and, uh, and kept moving the needle after. Well, then you had Outcast. <laughs> Well, the year following, we actually had the roots in Lauren Hill. But I mean, moving moving forward, and the year after that yeah. was was the Dungeon Family with Outkast. Yeah, uh, and that was Catching Lightning. That was literally a, a unicorn. How did you get them? Uh, that was relationships, man. Yeah. I think it was relationships. It was timing, um, and and a lot of those guys were thinking about doing a show as well, mm-hmm. a Dungeon Family show. The um, the only missing factor was was Andre always you know so Andre and I understand it I get it he's you know he's his fellow Gemini um but we, we're, we're caught up in our in our heads and just being creative a lot of times and we don't like living in a box mm-hmm. and so as soon as my creativity starts to get boxed in it's kind of like I want to escape and do my own thing um and so I think he was just at that at that point to where he wanted to to try his hand at, at different things and and being a 40-some-odd-year-old rapper on stage was just not his 
That wasn't his, 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 his stick. As he said, he felt like he'd done it all already. So, right. Yeah. So what more can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, so in having a conversation with some of the gentlemen from, from the Dungeon family, and I would say I have to give credit to big boy Rico Wade and uh, Orlando McGee mm-hmm. for spearheading it. So they were the, the true pioneers that, well, not pioneers, but the, the true quarterbacks that kind of brought all the fellas together to push it through. Uh, so Big Boy definitely just wanted to do it. He thought it was the time was right. Atlanta needed it. Hip-hop needed it. Um, and even internally, they needed it. Um, and that's a that's a whole story and documentary on itself. Getting them, so, you mean, or just them, in the, or the Dungeon family in general? Oh, the Dungeon yeah, family. Yeah, I know. So the, what I didn't realize is some of the the fallouts that that happened within their group within their team and it was orlando and um and kwan i don't know you know kp kwan prather um they they shared with me like some of the 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 group chats and he said i don't i don't understand i don't know if you know what you're looking at but it's been years since we've all talked like this so One Music Fest not only was great for Atlanta, but it literally, it, it helped mend relationships within our own circle. Um, because just exchange the laughter, just us practicing and us reflecting on, on what we've done and how much we've done and how far we've came and, and, and how much we truly care about each other. So he said, this is just as much a a homecoming or a therapy session for us as it is everybody else. You know, so that was a moment. That was a moment. What and, was it like um, after the, their set? Because I presume uh, you were backstage somewhere or it was, uh, nearby. I mean, it was, it was literally grown men that were watching the show in tears watching the show. Uh, behind stage, they were full. It was very, it was emotional. You, you can see the emotions. Um, and I'll tell you, we didn't know till that day that Andre was going to be there. No one really knows. Like, we didn't know till that day that Andre, Andre was kind of just, I don't know, guys. I just, I don't know about performing. And, and um, they also said, he, you know, he, he gets um, anxiety Exciting. issues getting on stage. And you hear that with a lot of greats, mm-hmm. you know, Miles Davis, uh, Jimi Hendrix, uh, uh, Eminem has anxiety you know, when he gets on stage. Um, see, you know, and he, he didn't really know to that day. So and even and you, when weren't, he, you weren't promoting it as an outcast reunion. I remember them telling me specifically, specifically don't, don't call it do that. Do not call it outcast <laughs> reunion. This is a dungeon family. Right, so it's right. from, you know, uh, uh, from Cool Breeze to Killer Mike mm-hmm. to Bone Crusher to Big, it's everybody, right. you know, so and promote it as such. What do you think got Andre to change his mind or to, or not, you know, just to decide, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I would say I have to go back to Rico, mm-hmm. Big Boy, and Orlando. And I think in the way KP designed the set and the music, because I think what Andre didn't want to see, he didn't want it to be an outcast show. And so, and, and KP was kind of the creative director of, of that, of that set. And, um, and so when he presented the lineup of the music that was going to be performed, you know, I think that's when he was like, oh, it's for only really like four Outkast songs. It's Goody Mob. I was going to say, you had CeeLo. You had, you know, right. It's, it's mm-hmm. CeeLo doing mm-hmm. some of his solo stuff and, Sleepy. you know, mm-hmm. Sleepy doing mm-hmm. some of his stuff. And um, so that's when he was like, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. And then I think he walked into the studio one day. And I actually, that was the day I went up to, to Stangonia as well. And Andre was there. Um, and it was just wrapping up rehearsal. Um, and you could tell the energy in the room was really starting to shift a little bit. And once they, they saw it, saw the show all the way through of what it can and, and would be, uh, I think the guys were like, man, this is something seriously special. But now, so jumping to now this year, yeah. you've got, you've got T.I. and Jeezy mm-hmm. on the bill, local guys. Is it important to you to find some connection to Atlanta always in the, in the lineup? Yeah, I think I think we we uh, we we try to we try to do that with well from the beginning we try to do that, 
Um, and now as our budget increases a little bit, uh, we, we can play around with it more. Uh, but yes, I think it's, it's, it's important to, to showcase and to highlight, you know, some of your, your legends, your, your, your kings, uh, your pioneers. Um, it's going to start getting tough to find new Atlanta talent. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we try to incorporate that. So, I mean, even with the crunk, the crunk set that we're doing with DJ Nabs and, and Young Bloods, Yin Yang Twins, Thrillville, uh, Trillville, Kilo, um, and Eastside Boys. Mm-hmm. Um, try to get Little John, but yeah, that's a, that's another story. <laughs> um, but how? But you know, so, since you mentioned that, I mean, first of all, you had a huge headliner, Cardi, who had to back out because of mm-hmm. personal commitments. But that was—I mean—that was still a huge get. And mm-hmm. and did that come about from just personal connections and? It was uh, so we went after Cardi initially. Yeah. Back in April, and that's when the agent told us uh, we would love to do the show, but this has not gone public yet. But I want you to know, Cardi's pregnant. Right. Y'all can't tell anybody. Right. Shut up. <laughs> but Cardi's pregnant. Mm-hmm. He's like, damn it, because we like we like she has no dates. Like, why can't we get the date? And uh, so they had to tell us. They didn't have to, but they did. Right. Um, so we, we, we were moving without Cardi. So Cardi actually didn't really pop back up into conversation until it might have been. No, we might have been talking to Cardi's agent back in March, maybe. Um, and then it didn't pop back up in conversation, I'd say, till late May. And we released our lineup in, on June 5th. And she had already announced the pregnancy on SNL right. in May right. anyway. So, so everybody knew at that point, yeah. Uh, so um, the agent called us back. We circled back with the agent because we're trying to wrap up the lineup. We had like 19 acts. Mm-hmm. We needed like one, one more key act. And he's like, look, guys, Cardi's babies do early July. She wants to go back on tour or hop on tour with Bruno come uh, September 5th. And she has a small window in between her touring schedule where she can actually be in Atlanta on the 9th. And we were like, hell yeah, let's do it. Um, you know, I have two, two children. How know, old are they? Uh, three and five. And I saw what my wife went through having children. And I, you know, I just kept saying, is two months enough? Like, could she... Can she do it in two months? They're like, she's confident. She thinks she can do it. She's going back on tour with Bruno. Uh, y'all want the date? Uh, yeah, we want the date. Let's do it. Um, so, yeah, so everything was going according to plan. You know, in contact with the agent. How's she doing? Everything's fine. Hey, yeah, she's smooth, easy breezy. <laughs> kind of got on bread to rest a little bit. She's in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, we said, okay, awesome, perfect. Um, and, yeah, I would say it was... Was it two weeks ago? A yeah. week and a half About ago? About the same when she announced when she's she announced back it, out of Bruno's. Yeah, the agent yeah. called and said, yeah, man, it's just not going to work. She's pulling out of Bruno. And then, then we thought it was just the travel schedule. Right. She and since she lives here, with the baby. they figure. Right. It was like, yeah, I mean, it was like, yeah, if you got 20-some-odd days with Bruno, you know, that's a lot. Right. Right after But if you just got to drive down. <laughs> right. I said, you could, yeah. To you Central know, Park for a couple hours. We'll send you a car. We'll take care <laughs> right. of you guys. Put you in a little AC room. We got you. But, um, but. But as every woman knows, every pregnancy is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when she initially said that she was available to do it and wanted to do it, who am I to tell somebody what they can and can't do? Sure. Right. Uh, especially a woman after delivering a child. Uh, you are empowered to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And just make sure oh, and we planned it all out. We were going to have a you know uh, a trailer a bus something ac just for her the baby whatever she needed we were taking care of her and we thought we had to fly her in from i think it was minneapolis she was performing mm. the day mm-hmm. before or two days before the festival so we were sending a jet to get her from minneapolis to fly her back to to fly to atlanta um and then flying her back out on tour with bruno um so you were committed oh good <laughs> thoroughly committed you know um but yeah so we 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 that was a that was a blow 
you know, people are excited. Her album is amazing. She's yeah. blazing hot, and she's an she she's 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 a unicorn within herself. I mean, she's an anomaly. I mean, she's she's uh, she's pop, but she's she and she's you know Latina. So and show and and she and some people may not understand the statement, but she is one music fest. Like her reach and her fan base, her music. It is everything. It's it's yeah. You can call it ratchet. You can call it trap. You can call it Latin Latin infused hip hop. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And 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 we kind of pride ourselves over being that as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit of everything, right? Um, so she really fits the identity of what One Music Fest was. So that was a little bit of a blow. So who have you filled the slot with? <laughs> so we. We're overachievers, <laughs> so we didn't get one. We got two, Ooh. Uh, and so it's uh, it's two chains and LMA. Oh, cool! So um, another Atlanta, mm-hmm. Atlanta great, mm-hmm. um, and we initially talked to two chains uh, when we first started, and um, I think he was originally slotted to do a show at Roxy that didn't happen, so he didn't have an Atlanta date. Well, he was supposed to have an Atlanta date, but uh, but that got canceled. Um, so it just kind of worked out for us. And LMA is blazing hot right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we love them both. Yeah, that's, so, yeah. that's great. Well, now tell me a little bit about the expansion this year <clears throat> of moving from Lakewood to Central Park, having three stages. You have a different promoter this year, too. You're working with Rival. So, yeah. So we're working with Rival. So back when we were at Fourth Ward Park, Rival was our production team. Right. Uh, they weren't really a co-pro, but more so our production team. Um, and when, and Sugar Hill, that I used to own back mm-hmm. in the underground. Um, so Josh and Tom Cook, Josh and Anucci and John Cook were, were two of my partners with the clubs as well. Uh, so my relationship with Josh and Tom and the Rival team and Center Stage team goes back almost 20 years. Um so it's 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 like the old family coming coming back together. So Josh has has history and Rival has history in, in producing. They produced the Outcast show in yeah, Centennial. That's right. Sure. Um, Foo Fighters league show this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Candler Park Festival. Yeah. They, so they you know. Um, oh yeah, they, Josh. It's a it's a perfect fit for us, uh, and it just made sense. Um, but Central Park is a it's 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 a it's a beast. You know, I mean it's a it's a clean. Clean canvas, uh, which is also a gift and a curse, where you can build it to be whatever you want it to be. So this can be your 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 Disneyland if you want it, right? Um, and uh, we thought the, the the right partners to to do that with would be would be rival. Yeah. Well, tell me a little about ticket prices. You know, I know whenever I talk to to Peter Conlon about Music Midtown. <clears throat> Every year, there's always people who complain that, you know, oh, it's $135, $145, whatever, you know, for your two days of 50,000 bands, you know. And and now you guys are kind of in that same frame, Mm -hmm. I think, with 130, maybe 125. 125. 125. Mm -hmm. Which I think is probably an increase from last year because it's two days. And, you know, I mean, but do you feel like that's a good value to oh. to consumers i mean or, or like what would you what do you say to the people who are you know like i hear a lot for, about music midtown mm-hmm. is you know oh it used to be 35 dollars you know but to, you know I, I get it but oh. you know yeah back in back in the day but okay you know things change and like you say you know kendrick and people like that i mean these are it's a million dollar acts yeah so i think people have to take a lot into consideration right um so i mean if i was to ask the average person or the average Kendrick Lamar listener, um, how do you listen to Kendrick? And they say, ah, on Spotify. Do you pay for that? Right? So how are your artists making money today? The number one way in which artists make money today is touring, Mm -hmm. right? So those artists that you used to book for $30,000, these artists are now a million dollars. They're $700,000. The five hundred thousand dollars. So when when you know and, and I have this discussion often, you know, with with interns or people that we employ or even random friends, I'm like, well, how much do you think X Y Z costs? And I say, oh, I don't know, what twenty, twenty five thousand, twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> no, that artist costs two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? 
um, and they can't get that, they can't, right. f- like how? Right. How is that even possible? And then you do the math of, again, all the expenses you have right. to produce the festival, right. all the lineup that right. you have to pay. Right. And frankly, I think, you know, any 150 bucks even, which is more than what you're charging, you know, it, it would be a great value for 30 acts over... Over two days. Over two days. And, over two days. I yeah. think, yeah, I think when um, when you think about a basic ticket that you pay for... Right. You spend that to see one artist. You spend <laughs> to see one artist. And this is a total... And I can honestly say, and I think, uh, I think our patrons and our ticket buyers will say this, or people that have... have have been to more than one one music fest. It's an experience that you're not going to get like anything else. You what makes it different? What do you think makes it different? It is a it it, it is a urban cultural Woodstock. It, it is it's 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 a family reunion mixed with a with a homecoming. Um, you just can't get that. I mean, you'll be hard pressed to find a generational event like one music fest. Um, that highlights progressive urban music. You'll be hard pressed to find a show that that is unafraid to to have what they call your conscious backpack rappers standing next to your your diehard trap rappers, standing next to a you know a sixty eight year old funk legend, you know. You really just can't find that, right? So it, it is the music. It, it's 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 the local visual artists that we also empower to do um, to create this visual artist experience at One Music Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the cultural food. It is the different kind of DJs playing all different types of music. I mean, it's 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 sensory overload in every direction, and it's also an event where. Um, if I'm a, a 45-year-old hip-hop head with a 16-year-old daughter, I feel comfortable bringing her to One Music Fest. If I'm a 38-year-old hip-hop head um, and I know my mom likes George Clinton, I feel comfortable bringing my mom to this event. When does that happen, right? So I think too often we're just putting these boxes and putting these lanes. Like, this can only be trap music. This can only be your blue lights in the basement funk soul event. This can only be your indie rock event. But that's not how we, that's not how we listen to music. That's mm-hmm. not how we, you know, if I was to, especially your phone, if I was to grab your phone and look at your playlist, it's probably all over the place, all right? So I think it's important to have that same type of live music experience in a festival format for progressive urbanites, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that experience is very, very difficult to find. And the more I speak with the the patrons, and the more I read like their comments, because we, we we pay attention. We're on Twitter. I mean, we're looking at your posts, and people are like it's it's unlike anything else. Like I, I see people that I haven't seen in years that I see at One Music Fest, and that kind of connection, that kind of energy, that th- those kind of vibrations, uh, especially in this day and age, are needed. Are you profitable now? We're making money now. Yeah. So yeah. you feel like you, you've gotten to the point where you can say, yes, this is now a success. <laughs> it's Yeah, I definitely. Well, I'm sitting in front of you and you decided to put us on the cover of the, <laughs> the arts and entertainment uh, section. So, yeah, I, I think it's a I think we've 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 hit we've hit a level of, of success, but uh, we have so much more to do. Let's see what's happening in and around Atlanta over the next 10 days. The 2018 Alzheimer's Music Festival is the seventh annual event and will feature driving and crying along with more than 20 bands. This is the first festival since the loss of the man who inspired it, Albert Anthony Zangaro, passed on. Zangaro's son, Vince, began the festival to raise money to support Alzheimer's disease, dementia families who care for their loved one at home. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has written several stories about Vince and his dad. Just do a search on Zangaro and AJC.com to check them out. This year, the Alzheimer's Music Festival takes place at Madlife Stage and Studios at 8722 Main Street in Woodstock on Saturday, September 15th. 
In addition to the headliners driving and crying, the lineup includes Anne-Marie Perry, Guru Fish, Glenn Phillips, and Vince Zangaro's own band, Zangaro. Ticket prices range from $50 to $75 and are on sale at TicketFly.com. Georgia Ensemble Theater opens its 2018-19 season with 9 to 5 The Musical at their usual home in the Roswell Cultural Arts Center. The show, which is based on the beloved 1980 film starring Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, and Jane Fonda, will run September 13th through September 30th, 2018. Ticket prices for 9 to 5 The Musical start at $33 for Wednesdays, Thursdays, and matinees. Friday nights start at $40. Saturday nights start at $43. Book early for the best prices. There are senior and student discounts available for some performances. Get those tickets at get.org. Artists and local entertainment, children's activities, and food trucks are all part of the mix when the Roswell Arts Festival gets underway. Each year, the fest is held on the third weekend in September at the historic Town Square in Roswell. Entertainment featuring local singers and dance companies begins daily at noon. Children's paintings, sand art, balloon animals, and other activities are also available, along with a variety of food trucks on site. Since launching in 1966, the festival has raised more than $1 million for the Roswell Recreation, Parks, Historic, and Cultural Affairs Department. The Roswell Arts Festival happens 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Saturday, September 15th and Sunday, September 16th. Get more information at roswellartsfestival.com. Get ready for one of the biggest entertainment events of the year as Music Midtown makes its return to Piedmont Park. This fall, Imagine Dragons graduates to headliner status for the 2018 edition of the Two Day Music Festival, along with fellow marquee names Kendrick Lamar, Post Malone, and Fallout Boy. A little further down the bill, don't miss Janelle Monet, Casey Musgraves, First Aid Kit, and Arthur Buck, the latter a duo formed by Joseph Arthur and former REM guitarist Peter Buck. Two-day general admission tickets start at $145 in advance. Last year, the festival attracted more than 70,000 fans each day. You'll find those tickets and all the details at musicmidtown.com. And join us next week for a look at this year's lineup and an interview with Daniel Platzman, who is the drummer for Imagine Dragons and also happens to be an Atlanta native. For more things to do around Metro Atlanta, head to accessatlanta.com. Our senior editor is Nicole Smith, podcast edited by Ryan Horn, music by Bo Emerson and Billy Guin, and I'm your host, Shane Harrison. Join us next week for more Access Atlanta. <laughs>